Good morning. Wow, that's just a feeling of, you know, it's, it's going from dark to light, and the light comes up, and I'm like, yeah, bam. Good morning. Well, uh, welcome. So glad that you guys are here today. For those of you who don't know me, I'm looking across the room, and I do see some faces that I don't recognize. So I am Lucy Williams. I'm one of the assisting pastors on staff, and it is my joy to be able to share with you this morning. There was a couple, and this couple had a bird, and this bird, he would speak. The only thing that the bird would say, however, was, let's kiss, let's kiss, let's kiss. And I don't know if birds have eyebrows, but if they do, they would have been going up and down like this, let's kiss. Well, this couple, they were so embarrassed. I mean, she was on the worship team, he's an usher, and they're like, we have this ungodly bird. He goes around saying, let's kiss, let's kiss. Every time someone comes over to our house, we're just embarrassed. I'm sure they're wondering what's going on around here. And I mean, we just, we have to do something about this. And so they were in church one day and they were sharing this story with someone and another couple overheard them. And the couple that overheard them said, well, we have the exact same kind of bird, but our bird says, let's pray, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. And they were like, what is wrong with their bird? I mean, really, I would be embarrassed if that was my bird. And so they went over to this couple with the ungodly bird, and they said, listen, we want to help you out. It's the right thing to do. Um, we want to bring our bird over to your house so that our birds can spend some time together, and maybe our bird will rub off on your bird. So the, uh, the couple with the ungodly bird said, well, I mean, let's try it. We're willing to try anything. We're just so embarrassed at this point. So sure enough, the next day, Couple with the godly bird comes over, they ring the doorbell, door opens, they walk in, and sure enough, the ungodly bird says, let's kiss, let's kiss, let's kiss. To which the godly bird replies, my prayers have been answered. <laughs> I love that joke. And I think I like it because um, I relate to one of those birds. I'm not gonna say which one, but I relate to one of them. <laughs> It's just, uh, it's always fun to start the morning off with laughter. Uh, it's such a, a wonderful gift that God gives to us, isn't it? Uh, well, we're currently in a series um, called The Big Five, where we are talking about the five values of our church. And uh, we have a theme verse that goes along with this series that I want us to take a look at. Uh, it's in your notes, and it'll also appear on the screen behind me. But it's Daniel chapter uh, 6, verse 3. This is a theme verse uh, that we'll be using throughout these next several weeks. And it says this, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel so distinguished himself. So we believe that after much conversation and prayer, um, we identified five ways in which we as a church are going to intentionally live, and they will distinguish us from every other church that exists to make disciples, because really that is the mission of every other church, to, uh, to make disciples. And so how do we as Lifehouse Church stand out? Uh, what makes us unique? What distinguishes us? And so last week we talked about empowered living, and this week we're going to talk about the value of transformational living. What exactly do we mean when we say transformational living? Well, transformation is defined as this, the act, process, or instance of changing something completely, 
usually in a good way. And I'm glad that it ends that way, usually in a good way. But it's the, the process of changing, of growing, of becoming. And so when we talk about transformational living, we're saying that we are going to live in a way that allows for that change and for that growth to occur. Now, along with this value, we have a scripture and then a phrase. And so let's take a look at that. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 16 is the scripture that we've attached to this value. And it says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. We believe that we experience transformation as we engage in meaningful relationships used by God to bring healing and freedom. We engage in meaningful relationships. Well, what exactly do relationships, um, what role do they play in transformation? Well, I, um, I come from a family of six girls. Uh, my mother has six daughters. I'm the youngest. And so there were seven women in our household. Um, we were raised by a mother, so no guys present, just seven women. And uh, let me give you a little bit of a scenario to work with. There was one bathroom and three bedrooms. So you do the math. Pity me. Come on. You can do it. <laughs> but um, fast forward to Bible college. I was in Bible college for seven years. And um, so it was either my first junior year or my second sophomore year. But anyways, I had two roommates and... Um, one day they just got into an awful argument. And so one of the roommates came to me and she said, you know, Lucy, you are just, you're, kind, you're really easy to live with. I mean, like you don't make many demands and you kind of just go with the flow and whatever it is is and you stay to yourself. And, and I'm thinking, girl, I have 18 years of cray cray under my belt. Cray cray. Now, of course, that term didn't exist then. I'm sure I said something like 18 years of chaos, but I told her I am fully prepared for this because I learned early on that God uses people to shape us. He uses those relationships where we are in each other's space, we're in each other's world, we're in each other's messes, we're sharing each other's joys. He uses those types of relationships to shape us into the people that he intends for us to be. Uh, Psalms calls it iron sharpening iron. He uses us to, to kind of work away those, those rough edges in each other. And I'm so grateful for that process, and I'm so grateful that that's how he does it. But I want you to take a look at something uh, in the phrase here. It says, we engage in meaningful relationships. I want you to just read that first part of this phrase with me. We engage in, some of you are not participating. We're going to try this again. Teacher Lucy's going to come out. Okay, we engage in meaningful relationships. The operative word in that phrase is engage, which some of you were not doing. But we engage, we participate, we actively participate in this process of transformation. We have to. Uh, we can't be on the sidelines. We can't be a backseat driver. In order for transformation to happen in our lives, we have to participate. We have to engage. And so we're going to look at four different ways that we can participate in this process of transformation. Number one, we demonstrate that we are uh, participating in this process of transformation by being in a constant state of surrender to God. Surrender, that's where it all 
begins. In order for any type of positive change to occur in our lives, we must cooperate with what the Lord wants to do in us. We must submit our agendas. We must seek his will, his way of doing things. I love how um, David in the Psalms, he just kind of lays himself bare before the Lord. I mean, he sings, he cries, he complains, he sings, he cries, he just lets it all out. So I want us to take a look at a passage in Psalms, Psalms 139, 23, and 24, where David is speaking about something. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So David, he just lays himself bare. He he puts himself, if you will, on the proverbial altar, and he says, Lord, shine your searchlight on me. Is there anything in my life that does not line up with what you want it to be? Is there any way in me that is wicked, that is not holy, that is not submitted to you? And I want to submit to you today that that's what we have to do every single day. It's not a once in a while thing when we we feel really convicted to do it. Every single day, we must surrender our wills to the Lord. We must come to a place of submission to him. And we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Number one, is there any part of my life that is not in line with what God's word says? Any part of my life, my thoughts, my speech, my motivations, any part of my life that does not line up with the word of God. Question number two, am I going in a direction that is different than the direction that God is leading me? If he's telling me to go over here or speak to so-and-so or share something, and I'm saying, yeah, no, thank you, I think I'll go over here. Is there any part of my life that doesn't line up with his? And am I going in any direction where he's not leading? Those are questions that we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis as we surrender to the Lord. Surrender doesn't say this. Surrender doesn't say, well, I know you said to do it this way, but I think I'm going to try it this way. And if this way doesn't work, then I'll try it that way. No, surrender doesn't say that. Surrender says, God, your word says this, therefore I will. It's a pretty short conversation. It's your word says this, therefore I'm going to do it. Surrender. Transformational living begins there. And I really, I believe that uh, surrender is where most things begin. When we realize that he is God and we are not, (laughs) that he knows things that we don't know. He sees all, he knows all. And really just trusting the fact that as scripture says, my steps are ordered by him. So where he says to go, it's safe to go. And I submit to that. So we demonstrate that we are participating in the process of transformation, number one, by surrendering, constant surrender to God. Number two, we demonstrate that we are participating in the process of transformation by avoiding isolation and living in community. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this one. It's so important. Uh, I'm currently reading a book called Safe People. It's by uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. I always say his name wrong. John Townsend. They're both doctors. And um, 
I'm only about one third of the way through, but I, I think I can um, safely recommend this book to you. It's very good. Talks a lot about relationships, but they have something to say about this. Um, they say, we too often think of our spiritual life as just about being with God. But he, God, tells us that spirituality is a life of love, both with him and with each other. We need to include in our evaluation of our spiritual lives this question. How am I doing with other people? How are my relationships going? Often we get caught up in thinking that service is the only indicator that we are growing spiritually. When in truth, get this, our human relationships are always one key indicator of our spiritual life. So a lot of times we, we think, oh, I'm serving, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, so I'm growing spiritually. When in truth, it's, it's not always about the doing, it's about the being. How, how am I being with other people? Because really, these relationships, the horizontal, are a very strong indication of this relationship. Amen. So uh, the Bible teaches very clearly, they go on to say, that we need others to grow into the people that God wants us to be. We can only grow so much on our own. We can't often see our blind spots. We need other people, not just to point out the, the bad, but to call out the potential, to call out what's good in us. We need other people to grow. Uh, the book of Acts gives us a very good example of life lived in community. And I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't use the word community back then, but it's a very good picture of what we call now community. So I want us to take a look at, at uh, that passage. It's a little bit lengthy, but it's worth reading the entire thing. Um, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. And it's just uh, the early church in action, I like to call it. It says, then those who gladly received his word, and they're talking about Peter. He had just addressed a large crowd of people. And it says, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being baptized. I just love that um, illustration of community, of people living together. It was their common practice. They did it every single day. It wasn't unusual to say, hey, we're meeting over at so-and-so's house. We're going to break bread, have prayer, study the word. We're going to uh, live together, not just sharing um, resources, but sharing in each other's lives. And I, you know, I have to say that we have to get back to that. We've strayed from that. I have to admit that when someone invites me to their house, um, sometimes my very first thought is, oh Lord, what do they want to talk about? What did I do? What was the last conversation I had with them? Maybe it's AJ. Maybe he did something. I mean, it's not a, oh yes, they want to get to know me better. And that's a shame, isn't it? Isn't it a shame that we've gotten to that point where someone inviting us to their house is unusual? We have to get back to that because that's the kind of community that God calls us to. That's where life change happens. 
And notice that as a result of them living together, breaking bread together, and it says they did it with simplicity and gladness of heart. So there wasn't complaining, we had meat love yesterday, or we haven't meat love again today. Simplicity and gladness of heart, they met together. And as a result, an explosion of growth occurred. The Lord added to the church daily and sometimes into the thousands as a result of them living together in community. There's a temptation to do life alone, especially when we're going through something difficult. And I tell you, the enemy, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to withdraw. He wants you to isolate yourself because you're vulnerable that way and he can pick you off. We are stronger together. And I want us to take a look at a couple of verses that talk about that. Ecclesiastes chapter four talks about the benefit of walking this journey together with someone else. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine to 12 say, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up again. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I love um, that last part that says, um, though one may be overpowered, two can withstand him. Uh, For those of you who know me well, you know I'm a trash talker. I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I talk trash. But one of the things that um, I loved um, about being the youngest of six girls was that I always had my other five sisters to back me up. And, and I needed it sometimes. <laughs> but it was, it was just so comforting and um, such a source of strength to know that there was someone backing me up to where if I was doing it on my own, I would easily be overpowered. But because there's strength in numbers and there's strength with someone coming beside you, um, there was no fear. And so I, I want to encourage you that while living in isolation might be easier, which it's not, <laughs> It might feel safer, which it's not. Um, Avoid it. Community is the way that God has designed for us to live. He he didn't design for us to do it alone. This is his design. So when we're living outside of community, we're really living outside of the way that he designed things. There is great benefit in living in community and inviting others to join us on our journey. I've asked a couple... uh, Aaron and Ronnie Ranawira, they showed back up for second service. (laughs) Way to go. They shared first service. I asked them to come back and share again just about their journey of um, living in community and what that has meant to them. Will you guys welcome them? Thank you, Pastor Lucy. Good morning, friends. And uh, first, when Pastor Lucy approached to us, asking us to speak to you guys. I mean, we were so nervous and we are still nervous. (laughs) We prayed about it and then something, you know, talked to us. Basically, you know, it's not a group of strangers that we are speaking to. It's our friends. Yes, we meet only once in, you know, a week on Sunday, most of you guys, but it's your, our friends. That actually alleviated the 
stress that we were going through so much. You know, it's like, hey, we know you guys, you guys know us. So, I mean, there's nothing to show, you know. So, thank you so much for making it such a wonderful community that we can come, share, grow, learn, learn and grow from each other and under, you know, this roof and under the blessings of God. And I remember last year, uh, October 28th, and it was a Wednesday. I mean, last service I asked him, was it a Wednesday? But it was a Wednesday, so two in the morning we were driving to San Antonio. That's the first time we were coming in. And yeah, driving from Tucson. And uh, it was such a strange thing because, I mean, we are in the military, Erin's in the military, so being in a military family, the toughest thing was to, you know, coming to a new city, find out new things and get acclimated, break off, not break off, but basically give away the old friends, make new friends. So we were very stressed out. I mean, it's a big city with two belts around it, so... But that was Wednesday, and the next uh, following Sunday was our first Sunday at Lifehouse. So we found our church, then you know, by within a week. And surprising thing was that since the day one, when we walked in, you guys started caring about us. You guys enveloped us with love care, and you guys bother to know our names, learn what we do, and, you know, to understand the struggles that we were going through. There were so many of you guys came to us and said, hey, you know, how is this going? How's the stay in the hotel going? Is it, you know, no, it is not enjoyable. <laughs> and then, you know, you prayed for us. You know, so you guys actually, you know, took us in under your arms and, you know, helped us grow together. So, and they, then we started the life group, but I'll let Erin talk about it. So, basically, one of the first few weeks we were here, um, we watched this little video that um, some of you may remember. It said something like, do you like to brew coffee? Do you make an awesome PB&J sandwich? Uh, you can be a life group leader. And uh, we watched the video and we were like, oh, we love to cook. We like food. We could maybe do this. And we thought this is a good way for us to give back because we've just been so blessed in the first few weeks coming to Lifehouse. And um, so we thought about it. We looked online a little bit, the website, read up a little bit about it. And then we found out that it's not just a food group. It's a Bible study. <laughs> and we were like freaking out a little bit. We were like, oh, we are totally not adequate to lead a life group. This is just not the right thing for us. Um, I was a new Christian the last two years. I was a Catholic before. And uh, Ronnie was new to the faith too. And so it was just kind of, we did not feel like we knew enough to be able to share in that capacity. And we felt um, that it was not, you know, maybe this wasn't a calling. Maybe this wasn't something we should do. And um, maybe it wouldn't be a service to the church. We'd end up just leaving people away. <laughs> and, so, and plus, we didn't know anybody. I mean, we knew a couple people we saw on Sunday, but we, didn't, we don't know anybody that much. So 
Um, but we couldn't shake the feeling. We really felt like we were being called to lead a life group. And so um, we prayed about it, and then we met for the life group prep. And, um, I mean, just the amount of support that we felt from everybody, the prayers, the support, the outpouring of love saying, hey, you guys can do this. You can do a life group. Like, it's okay. And also brought it back to perspective that, you know, we may not be adequate life group leaders. We may not know enough about, you know, the word or may not be able to lead everybody ourselves, but that's not the job. The job was to do, to create an environment where we could bring people together and they could fashion each other and support each other. And we have been so blown away by what our group has been able to do. Um, we started meeting that first week, so it's actually funny, we were lucky. Our house closed a few weeks before we started the life group, so we didn't have everybody meeting at the hotel, because that would have been fun. <laughs> Sit around, Indian style. But um, So that was just a blessing that we had a place to, for everyone to meet. And um, we've been going continuous for the year, and in the first semester, we were just absolutely overwhelmed. Um, by just the discussions that we had, the types of people that were growing, and we could see it happen in our home. And we could see people following up with each other outside of life group, texting each other about, you know, a struggle that they were going through or getting to church or watching a kid. And it was absolutely amazing, uh, that, that just extension of the Lifehouse community that we knew so well. And within the first semester, f during that church outside weekend, we had church outside because it was lovely weather, um, four people were baptized from our group. And then a few weeks later, Ronnie was baptized and just absolutely overwhelming. And not, that never would have happened if we hadn't been in community with each other. Because I can have to say, there's no way you'd come to grips with issues or be convicted in such a strong way unless you have other people helping you along that journey. And we also got to witness the incredible power of prayer in our group we never would have watched people go through life struggles and face challenges in their you know, family, community, work, and pray over them, pray with them, pray for them when we're away, and see those problems resolved or see God work in those challenges and build people and strengthen them. And that, I mean, that was just a, such a blessing for us. But we've been blessed personally, too. So Ronnie and I have been together for a little over eight years we were long distance in separate countries for the first five years. And then we've been married for three years. And we got to know a lot about each other over the phone and, you know, phone cards and all that great stuff. Um, but we didn't really build this closeness in a spiritual way before the life group. And I have to say that it's changed us so much. And we've been incredibly blessed. So... We've just, we've watched that our conversations have been transformed and our commitment to serve God in our lives and find out what his goal and purpose for us has been absolute at the forefront. And we've, we've just watched that transformation and watched our closeness um, in, this, in this struggle together. I say struggle because I'm sure there's some life group leaders in the group, but um, we have our group meeting at 6.30 on Tuesday, 6.30 on Tuesday nights. And I get off work and come home around 6. So <laughs> I try really hard to get out of my Air Force uniform, shower, and have everything done. 
And uh, 20 min that 20 minutes is the most incredible, crazy 20 minutes of all time. And if you're in our group, don't feel bad at all. It's just life. It's just the way it works. But uh, it, it's a couple times I think people have caught me running up the driveway in uniform. Sorry, I'm going to be right there. <laughs> but um, we've also you know, supported each other in all of that. And I think that we know now, like, oh, what can we do to help make the, the 20 minutes less stressful, you know, vacuuming beforehand or, you know, whatever the case may be, prepping food. And that whole experience has been absolutely overpowering. It's been amazing to see the people in our group, to get to know each other better, to really have a personal relationship with them, and then develop our personal relationship, too. So. Yeah, I mean, apart from the life group, uh, something that's phenomenal about our church is that the emphasis that you know, Pastor Ryan and the team has put to being connected with each other. And it's not just the talk. There are actual things that is happening. I mean, the both men's and women's conference and um, first responder coordinator program and survey day projects. I mean, the list goes on and on. So there are opportunities for, you know, because not everybody is a coffee connoisseur or cook so there are so many opportunities and we are utterly thankful for you know giving everybody these opportunities and we are thankful to God for bringing you into our lives thank you thank you Well, I'll just wrap that up. They, they said it very well, um, just the benefit of community and um, resisting the, the temptation to isolate and to, to do things on our own. Um, I think the, the thing that really impressed me the most when I first met Ronnie and Aaron um, was how new they were to the area. I mean, like literally they moved here on a Wednesday and were in church on Sunday and several weeks later in my office talking about leading a life group. And they could have just as well had said, we don't know anyone, we're new to this church, show up after the first song, leave after the last prayer and you know, call it a day. But they understood the value of community. And so they pressed in. And so my encouragement to you is to press in. Um, like they said, maybe not everyone um, will lead a life group, but community is the point. I do want you to lead a life group, but community is the point. Uh, sharing your journey with others and allowing them to be a part of your life and you be a part of theirs. Amen? Amen. Okay, number three, we demonstrate that we are participating in the process of transformation by looking for opportunities to be vulnerable. Um, let me just read again. Uh, James 5.16 says, can, uh, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. This confessing your sins business. That sounds like fun, right? <laughs> well, let me tell you that the enemy will use the unspoken against you. He will quite often remind you of that little secret that no one else knows about. And I just want to say to you that uh, as difficult or as intimidating um, as the thought of being vulnerable may be. Um, 
there is, again, great benefit in that. Um, that's where growth and that's where change occurs. And God uses that when we take the opportunities that are presented to us to be vulnerable. Um, about a year ago, I took an opportunity presented to me. Um, a woman in our church said that she wanted to get together with some other ladies and uh, have what I call an accountability group. And uh, we're actually going through a book, a curriculum, and um, it, it hasn't always been pleasant. Uh, we deal with difficult things. Um, we do laugh, but mostly it's comic relief because it's just been a difficult chapter. But growth has occurred and change has occurred. And God has used um, those vulnerable moments to uh, allow us to minister to each other. And um, one of the things that I appreciate is that at the end of each chapter, there's a section that says, you know, what will you work on this week and who will keep you accountable? And you actually have to write a name in there because we have agreed, uh, the four of us, that we will keep each other accountable. And that's part of being vulnerable, part of going to someone and saying, listen, I realize that there are areas in my life that I struggle with and I need someone to call me up, to check on me, to say, how are you doing? Because otherwise, we can just keep going on our merry way and never really have the issues addressed. And the, the purpose of being vulnerable isn't to humiliate ourselves. Um, it's not to expose ourselves to hurt or um, to be exploited, but it's to allow God to unearth and to um, reveal those things in us so that he can bring healing and change and transformation. And... Um, we have a couple of different ways that you can take advantage of opportunities to be vulnerable. Um, you can join uh, an accountability group. One of the things that I don't want you to hear me um, say is to get on Lifebook and air all your dirty laundry, uh, not um, Facebook and air all of your dirty laundry. No social media should be involved whatsoever. Um, find people and pray about it. God will lead you to the right people. Find people or a person, and don't cheat if you're married. Don't just let it be your spouse. Find some other person that you say to them, please hold me accountable. This is what I'm working through. I need you to hold me accountable. And, and recognize that, um, that that person has permission to speak into your life. Don't, don't just say, I want you to hold me accountable. And then they say, hey, well, I noticed you doing that. And then you get mad. <laughs> Give them permission to do that. Give them permission to do that. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. So maybe it's finding someone, joining, joining an accountability group, going up for prayer. Every single Sunday at the end of service, we give you the opportunity to go up for prayer. And that's pretty vulnerable. Um, responding to a request to, you know, maybe the message was about forgiveness. And you're thinking, I don't want to go up there. Everyone's going to know I'm struggling with forgiveness. Do it. Do it. Allow God to set you free. Allow yourself to know healing and freedom by uh, taking the opportunity to be vulnerable. Uh, reach out to someone who is struggling and then share your story of overcoming, which is actually um, my final point. Um, there is something powerful about confession. Uh, James chapter 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another. There is something powerful about speaking it. There's something that that sets in motion that doesn't get set in motion any other way. So I just really want to challenge you before we move on to the last thing to, to look for those opportunities, to ask God to, to bring someone into your life where you can do life together with those difficult things in mind, okay? Don't, don't shy away from that. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, and that certainly won't put you in a position for healing, freedom, and growth.
Okay. Number four, we demonstrate that we are participating in the process of transformation by sharing our story with others. Um, Psalm 40, verse three says, he has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Um, David in the previous verses was talking about how God pulled him out of a miry pit and how his feet had almost slipped and, you know, how he was in a desperate situation. And then God turned it around and now he has a new song to sing. And he says, um, what happens when I sing that song is that many will see it. And then they will come to an understanding and a reverence for God. And then they will put their trust in the Lord. And so I really want us to understand that there's power in our testimony. Uh, each one of us has a story to share. Uh, God has done something for everything. If you have been alive for longer than a minute on planet Earth, God has done something in your life. And uh, our testimonies are powerful. Um, scripture tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the work that Christ did for us, and by the word of our testimony. What God has done in our lives is powerful. And I do want to say that no pain is wasted. When we allow God to use what we've been through, he then uses us as instruments to bring healing to others. There have been a lot of times in my life that I've gone through things that have been difficult, that have been painful, that I didn't understand, <laughs> that I questioned God about, Lord, why? Only to have however many months later, however many years later, someone come to me in that exact situation and they needed that word of encouragement. They needed that word of, listen, God brought me through it surely he will do the same for you. So sharing our testimony, we overcome by the work of the cross and by the word of our testimony. Share your stories. We have two different ways that you can do that at LifeHouse. We have on our website a tab and it says, share your story. <laughs> and uh, I know that some people have taken advantage of that, but please do it. Share your story. Let us know what God is doing in your life. Um, and then also, as Pastor Ryan mentioned this morning when he was talking about the card, there is a, a place on the card for you to share um, not just your prayer request, but your points of celebration. When you've prayed about something and you've asked us to partner with you in prayer and God answers that prayer, let us know. Uh, it increases your faith and it increases the faith of those who hear it. That surely if God did it for them, he's no respecter of persons, he'll do it for me. And so sharing our story, it's powerful. God uses all of these things, uh, avoiding isolation, living in community, surrendering ourselves to him, taking opportunities to be vulnerable and sharing our stories. He uses all of those things in the process of transformation. And what, what, what must we do? It starts with an E, engage. We have to make up our minds that we are going to be a part of that process. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me, please? <clears throat> Lord, we, we love you and we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word, um, which gives us direction for our lives. We thank you that you are faithful to um, give us what we need, um, Lord God. You don't just tell us what we need, you, you give it to us. Lord, we thank you for this community of believers, um, Lord God, that we get to share our journey with. Uh, Lord, we get to grow and we get to, um, as your word says, sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. And Lord, I just pray for the relationships that are in this room, Lord God, the ones that are new, that are still developing, the ones that 
um, go years and years back. Lord, I just pray a blessing over those relationships, Lord God. I, I pray a blessing over the households represented here, Lord God, whether those households are um, made up of one person or a couple or a family. Lord, I, I speak your blessings over our households. And Lord, I thank you for this community, this fellowship of believers. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you would continue as we cooperate with what you are doing, and as we engage in the process of transformation, Lord, that you would change us completely. And we thank you for that, Lord. And with uh, every head bowed and eyes closed, I started out this message by saying that it all begins with surrender, all of it. Everything that we do begins with surrendering our wills to God, submitting our lives to him and saying, Lord, I want you to be in control. And so I want to give the opportunity today for anyone who has never submitted their life to the Lord, who has never surrendered to him, who's been doing it on your own, not as the Bible would have us uh, do it. I want to give you that opportunity to say, Lord, you take control. I submit my life to you. I surrender to you. Is there anyone today by raising your hand or just making eye contact with me who would say that today? God, I thank you for the work that you are doing in every heart in this room. Lord, I pray that we would remain open to you, to all that you want to do. Thank you, Father. And uh, as we just continue uh, just in this moment of prayer, I, I just want you to, um, to just talk to the Lord and ask him to show you if there are any hindrances in your life to um, allowing yourself to engage in meaningful relationships, maybe past hurts and disappointments, um, maybe it's the hindrance of just time that you're just too busy and you know that it's going to take time. Maybe the effort that's required in sustaining those types of relationships, whatever may be hindering you. Will you give that to the Lord this morning? Will you take the opportunity um, as our prayer team comes up, will you take the opportunity to be vulnerable and to go up for prayer and to let someone join you in, in the struggle? Lord, just do a work in our lives as we submit ourselves to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.